0: In a world gone mad, only rationality and common sense can save it. It's Andrew and Jerry Save the World with your hosts, Andrew Langer and Jerry Rogers. And now, here's Andrew and Jerry
1: to the inaugural episode of Andrew and Jerry Save the World. I am Andrew Langer. I am Jerry Rogers. And uh, we want to welcome you to this, this new venture that we've come down. Jerry and I have not done a show together. We certainly haven't done a podcast together in a very long in time. In too long. Uh, we, are, we are back and uh, nationwide, as it were. Uh, as ZZ Top would say. But we've decided that we wanted to uh, do a podcast focused on the things that Jerry and I have been involved in over the years, which is solving problems. Uh, and and as you all know, Jerry and I have plenty of ideas <laughs> as to how to solve things. So each week, or uh, you know, twice a week, but let's say each week for now, uh, we're going to be taking on a specific topic. I mean, we'll talk some about current events, what's going on in our worlds. Um, but we're going to take a specific topic and we're going to talk about how we would solve the problems when the, within, this, within this topic. You know, what are the issues that are at work here? Uh, what are the great misunderstandings that are happening with regards to these issues that are at work? And uh, and and then uh, and then we'll interview an expert. We'll have an ask the expert segment and, and then we'll talk about uh, the bottom line for us, which is a phrase I I pulled from Jerry because Jerry likes the, the, bottom phrase, line. the bottom line, the bottom line is this. If you've never heard us before, I'm Andrew Langer, as I said before, uh, I am I wear a number of different hats, uh, was in radio, still working on radio on occasion. Uh, but uh, but uh, also wear a policy hat. I was a president of the Institute for Liberty and president of the Institute for Liberty uh, uh, have founded a new organization called the Institute for Regulatory Analysis and Engagement. Uh, but have been involved in public policy and media uh, for 25 years now. And, and this is what we're bringing to it. Jerry, go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about yourself.
2: Well, again, the same thing. You know, uh, I have been a teacher, a high school teacher. I am a coach right now, a head coach for a football team, head track coach. Uh, so teaching uh, has always been a passion. And, you know, when I was a kid, Andrew, you know this, I wanted to be a priest yes. until I met uh, a Your girl named Erica, And then i decided well what what else how else can i make a difference in the world and i thought politics sure because what happens at the city council or the or the state house or the white house does impact our lives yes uh, and 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 very real ways and so i got involved in politics and policy and again you and i met at the competitive enterprise institute where we both served Uh, i was at the manhattan institute i worked for a member of congress uh, and then uh, went on to work uh, uh, on K Street for uh, Pharma, for the trade association. Uh, and then, of course, I uh, uh, Andrew's intellectual endeavors. I'm always there with them, working with them at <laughs> IFL and, and 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 other places. And of course, I am the uh, editor at Real Clear Health, uh, and I do other 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 things at Real Clear. Uh, and and I do dabble in radio I, yep. and 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 these sorts of things. So we're just engaged in the arena of ideas both of us.
1: But it's one of those things where uh, anybody who spent time looking uh, looking listening to us knows that Jerry and I spend a lot of time talking to each other about issues. We talk every day. Both, just every day, if we do <laughs> talk sometimes multiple times a day. Uh, and it's and it's usually not just sort of shoot the breeze kind of discussions a lot of times it is talking no weirdly I'll about hear something stuff.
2: yeah I'll hear something on the radio or on on the news and I'll call you up and say did you see this yes we should do this or, even even today on the topic of healthcare. yes uh, uh I was talking to our friend Phil Kirpin this week yes uh, and Phil said something to me that i I had never wrapped my head around sure uh we were talking about the covid policies and protocols and the lockdowns and the close closure of schools. And he said something goes, Jerry, look, I don't have evidence for this. But but in in terms of my two decades of public policy observation, uh, this is what I think. And he said this, he said, Western civilization, Western governments must have thought COVID was a bioweapon, which is why in an unprecedented way we shut everything down interesting and then but th- this was the, this was the more interesting thing yeah. he said and we can't even though nothing has worked the lockdowns the masks uh, the protocols have not worked 400,000 dead yeah in 326 days when trump was present over covid 400,000 dead over 326 days uh, during the Biden administration, and again, it's, it's roughly 400,000 sure. each, and uh, and none of the lockdowns, the uh, none of the protocols worked. And so my question to our friend was, well, then why do we keep doing it? And this this was the interesting part. Right. He said because because our elected officials cannot admit they made a mistake. Yes, and so because they were wrong. They have to continue to be wrong. Yes,
1: uh, you know something. I we're gonna we're gonna go down this road uh, in this podcast of of this issue of a the accountability of elected officials, and again, not the blame game, but accountability sure. is, is somewhat different here. But this issue of of admitting that you're wrong, or more to the point, where when politicians and policy people with an agenda. They don't solve a problem. They make the problem worse, and the answer is more of whatever it is that they're whatever doing. caused yes. the problem to begin yes. with. Yeah, and so this seems to be the milieu in which we are right now. Um, and let's sort of talk about this because so today's topic, you know, Andrew and Jerry save healthcare. Uh, is you know it is overshadowed, and when we were going to bring on an expert later on, his name is Eric Hargan. Uh, he is the uh, the principal at the Hargan Group, the founder of the Hargan Group, but a former uh, Health and Human Services acting secretary and deputy secretary. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, these issues that are at work and whether or not COVID has hijacked uh, all of the discussion about healthcare sure. and healthcare access and and solving problems. But let's let's talk about this, Jerry. Let's talk a little bit about the pre COVID world because you and I were both working on healthcare then. Sure. Yeah. Um and to 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 tee up the problem, um the before COVID we were talking about access to healthcare. Um a lot of folks were framing it as an insurance issue, uh, and we weren't seeming to solve that problem because the, y- the Medicare
2: the, the Medicare for all discussion, yes. the public option uh the whether or not government should negotiate drug prices and i you know and again negotiate i i I use that term loosely governments don't negotiate governments dictate (laughs) yes they do Uh, and so so the, the conversation really was about costs uh and access yes uh and and you know and again and if we were to save the world uh, i think uh, you know our preference was always to advance modernity advance innovation sure. and any policy that would hinder hinder innovation uh uh would would be bad policy and so so quite simply pre covid uh my my solution uh, or my mantra was the the right therapy at the right cost at the right time to the right patient sure that 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 would be good healthcare policy
1: no and and it makes sense and and the thing is and and working towards towards this idea of increasing if we have increased demand and we don't have enough supply to meet demand doing whatever we can to meet that demand and i know when we talk to eric hargan for instance we're going to talk about telemedicine and telehealth right which i i, I know will solve that will help solve that problem but I'll tell you what, let's let's start here um you know the first segment that we're going to be doing is the concept of ripped from the headlines ripped from the headlines so let's let's play that
0: <laughs> ripped from the headlines
1: yes these are our new what we call pickups that we like that it. we're using thank you thank you very much same guy who did the the introduction which uh which I, I i know i know you've enjoyed um so yeah i mean obviously the big issues this week are the issue of Four hundred thousand, another four hundred thousand deaths sure. from COVID. That's right. Uh, all of the story about about uh, the, the opioid deaths during COVID, uh, the Omicron, yeah, new uh, variants, the new variants, and the and the increased lockdowns that are here, here's the thing that gets me right mandates. The, the yes, well, mandates and confusing mandates. Right. You know, I, I was in D.C. and and could not. Could not for the life of me figure out whether or not I had to wear a mask indoors, where I should wear a mask indoors, and who was going to get upset with me if I didn't wear them. Anyway, right. sure. Here's what we know it's funny because on the air we were talking about this. I know I've talked about it. I know you've talked about it. I think you and I have talked about it with each other, which is we know that this virus, COVID, is following the established precedents. Of evolutionary biology for viruses, which is they get more and more ubiquitous in in the world, transferable, yes. right? Yes, and they, they become more easily transferable, but less lethal. Why? Correct. Because the virus wants to exist, and it becomes and ultimately, and and, and go everything
2: ahead. everything we're learning uh, from the data from South Africa. Remember, uh, the uh, Omicron variant originated in South Africa. Say Omicron. You say Omicron. Or you say Omicron? I don't know. I,
1: I say you say Omicron. I say Omicron. It's fine. Potato, I don't know.
2: T- potato. Potato, tomato. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Go ahead. Uh, anyway, the new the, the most the latest variant. Yes. Uh, coming from South Africa. Uh, all the data thus far. And again, you know, so, look, science evolves. Yes. And we have to be uh, in a position to change our minds if the evidence and the data yeah. begins to change. This is the problem with COVID policy to this point. Uh, we have we have. Put in place policies that have failed, but our politicians and our unelected health bureaucrats continue. But here's the thing about 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 this variant, yeah. and that is, and that is, it is it is less lethal, uh, more transmissible, but it doesn't seem uh, that the uh, that the media gets that message. Yeah. And and again, yes, they're driving fear and panic. So how much of this right? How much of this is due to one
1: of the problems that we have in America today is that your your policy beliefs are rooted in your political beliefs and it becomes an article of faith. Sure. It's it's religiosity. Yes, religiosity. Um, and, And so, you know, because science changes and we learn more. The you know the the tenets of faith the orthodoxies of faith right the orthodoxies of faith are not supposed to change they're supposed to be immutable over time right yes sorry go ahead you were- no, no I
2: you're, you're making a, a very good point and that is when 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 your when your faith is your politics uh, then when uh, you have changing circumstances you double down on what your faith is uh, which is why again and and you and i can talk about this uh why we're forcing five-year-olds to wear cloth masks it makes no scientific sense
1: forcing five-year-olds to wear cloth masks forcing kids in elementary schools to eat outside in 40 degree weather right I, i mean and then you know we you we didn't we haven't talked about it today I mean, certainly within the context, it's funny because the two of them are related. The issue of the spike in opioid deaths and the issue of mental health in in children, it's all related. During
2: the height of COVID um, not long ago, uh, the data showed us, right, the evidence showed us that children children were more likely to, to attempt suicide. Yeah. Then suffer negative consequences from the virus. Sure,
1: and, and and this is just it. And so the and so the corollary to this is the 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 increase in in drug use. I was talking to somebody just last night about this, um, uh, you know, m- was in a building, had a neighbor, uh, um, and and had sort of been away. This person was outside of D.C. for many many months. Returned to D.C., and this neighbor had completely gone off the rails because. Uh, they had been shut in uh, essentially because of covid. They were working remotely. They were working isolated. They didn't have a, a relationship. They were drinking. They were doing whatever. Oh, my goodness. And this is and this is where and this is where they are today. This and is,
2: this is this is the Jeff the Jeffrey Tubin uh, uh, effect. <laughs>
1: Thank you for thank you for bringing that up. Listen, conjuring up
2: way too many images.
1: Right. On the one hand, on the one side of the spectrum, you got Jeffrey and The other end of the spectrum, you got Chris Cuomo. Not Chris Cuomo. The other Cuomo. The Qu- Governor Cuomo. Andrew yes.
2: Cuomo. Well, listen, listen yeah. um, I think our listeners, uh, again, what, what what we have found in the past, our listeners are, are plugged into the public policy. They know what's happening in the news. Uh, and, and so this is the and Andrew and Jerry save the world. So what needs to be done about all of this? No,
1: no. We, 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 I'm not going to not get there no, yet. no,
2: no, no. We're not getting there yet right now. We're I'm just, ready
1: right now to solve all the right problems. Now you're ready I'm ready. Look at me. If I haven't talked I'm haven't going. You, I said this. We're going to. So what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to set it up. We're, oh, setting, it up, setting, we're setting, it up. setting up the problem and we're going to talk about oh, this it. is the rant time. Well, it's the ramp, but it's also the discussion, <laughs> right? And then we're going to ask the expert. We're going to sort of go and ask the expert about this, okay? Uh, and then at the
2: end, gotcha. we're going to do. I the, hear the you. I line, hear how we well, will go about let, doing let, this. Let Let's me let me let, let me say this about about the COVID problem, uh, and that is, and I want to be very clear about this. Um, I want to be uh, again uh, uh, very clear. Everything we've done has been wrong. Yes. And that is only a and slight me, exaggeration
1: this because because this is the inaugural podcast. Right. For those of you who aren't familiar, a lot of you are familiar with the work that Jerry and I have done and what we've said on the radio. Uh, for those of you who are just joining us for the first time and are really being introduced to this, Jerry has been consistent in this. Now, I have I have approached things. You know, Jerry and I are not the same. We don't have the same beliefs. We don't have the same approaches to things. So I approach things in a very not that you're not rational and common sense, Jerry. You no, are, I'm visceral. No, but 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 the point is well you you know something and that maybe is one of the, the key differences is I'm, a, you gut are, you have, you, I'm uh, a gut you have guy. I'm a gut guy. Um um I don't mean that in a bad way. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. I'm not going not gonna to. I, go, I go with my gut. You know, I'm, so, yeah. so. So. But I was approaching this as, OK, my, my mom's an epidemiologist. My dad's a scientist. I'm going to approach it from this manner. Here are the here is the steps that we need to take. Jerry, early on in the pandemic, was like, what the hell are we
2: doing? This is crazy because my perspective is from is from a is from a, a working class uh, and 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 I'm sorry I'm interrupting you but no no you're but fine. the but but and I remember having conversations early where people were jumping on board about shutting down and I said well it's easy for you to shut down yes you have your savings you can work from home but what about the mom-and pop shops yes. what about the small retail organizations what what about the restaurants and I said I said you're gonna crush people
1: but you were you were right early on about things like you know teacher pay and how you know teachers if they're Gonna, if they're not going sure. to work, sure. We need to do a, a pay cut, or we need to be getting rid. Re- I mean, it was it was all of these things about mask mandates and how we were going. You you have been consistently right about this. So I want folks to understand that you know Jerry is an honest broker here, uh, going with his gut on, on these things. But but let's let's dial it back even further, Jerry, because right. uh, you know again, there were healthcare issues and healthcare debates and discussions that were going on before the COVID nineteen pandemic, and then the COVID really hijacked everything. And it exposed the 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 kinks,
2: the 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 cracks. It also it also showed why our debate prior to covid, uh, we were we were arguing the wrong things. What I mean by that is this. And so uh, up to covid, the big debate. In uh, uh, in in state capitals, but also here in D.C., uh, was the cost of health care, the price of drugs. The government needed to intervene, interfere in in drug prices, Medicare for all uh, and all the rest of it. Uh, And and at the time I was saying uh, that, no. Right. If if you allow the government to come in and set prices, uh, you are going to kill the golden goose. So to absolutely. And you're going to you're going to stifle innovation. Uh, And then and then COVID hit and what happened operation warp speed yeah. so the government got out of the way and allowed allowed for the innovative companies to do their thing now granted the government's sure. role in this was they purchased you know billions of dollars worth of vaccines but again my view has always been this there is no perfectly private sector Uh, solution to our healthcare woes. It's always going to be a public-private partnership. And Operation Warp Speed demonstrated that public-private partnership and how it can work Now, the question is, are we going to do it again? Are we going to keep the Operation Warp Speed mentality moving forward? And the answer is no. And there's a fundamental disconnect. Maybe this
1: is getting into the the bottom line part of it. But there's a fundamental disconnect for folks who don't understand that the only way that this works, the only way Operation Warp Speed works or any development of of Miracle Technologies works, is if you allow the marketplace to work as the marketplace does. If you tamp down on the marketplace and firms go out of business or get shut down or they can't make a profit or they have no profit motive to sort of right. you know, incentivize or innovation. bureaucratic
2: rules that are roadblocks that don't make sense. I mean, look, we're talking yeah. th- two things. Number one, the the, the question of, of 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 innovative companies and innovative uh, technologies uh, solving our medical issues in the Build Back Better Act. Yeah, there is a it, it rewrites healthcare. Yes, and again, because we're so focused on mask mandates and vaccine mandates no one's talking about right. the fact that the build back better act literally re re-jiggers, reforms re uh remakes our yes. healthcare system yes and it remakes it in a way that would make operation warp speed impossible that's my the point in
1: all of this is that is that you know again it gets down to this problem this is sort of how we teed it up which is this idea that that when you have a problem Right, uh, that that folks are trying to solve. One of the things that drives me up the wall is when politicians propose solutions that they claim will solve a problem, but will not only solve a problem, but will make it worse. Uh, and I'll get to an example in a second. And then when their their solution doesn't work and the solution doesn't materialize, the problem doesn't get solved. They say the answer is well, we need to do more of X. We just didn't go far enough. And this is going to be a recurrent theme as we talk about this. So one of the examples I like to use is, right, Obamacare. Now, we knew that the Affordable Care Act was not going to make health care more affordable and more accessible. When you increase demand for a good and you do not increase the supply of that good, uh, then then you actually exacerbate all of the forces that make supply minimalized. And this right. is true regardless and, of the
2: and and, and, and and on top of that, if yeah. you create a one-size-fits-all uh, 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 insurance menu, yes, uh, then what happens is – uh, uh, you have no competition. No competition means uh, that you won't have uh, you won't have lower prices. In fact, and we see this with the premiums, Absolutely. you see higher prices. That's right, and so and,
1: and so what happens is that then the 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 left we're going to say it. The left turns around and says that okay, well so. Clearly, we didn't go uh, far enough. We didn't go far enough. So now we need Medicare for all. Exactly. You know, now, now we need a single payer system. We need the bell system, so I can read right? the bell. Yeah, sorry. And that's really what it is, right? We know that it sort of drives this this idea of, of moving down. there. Why don't why not circle back to something? Because we are in our rip from the headlines segment. The president was just out. He did an interview with an Ohio TV station. And he was asked about vaccine mandates. And he said essentially, ah, what's the problem, man? They didn't say that. Yeah. It just, I don't see what the problem is. You know, this is the sort of disconnect. Thank
2: God the courts yes, uh, see right, big problems. Group, yeah. Thank God that there are some in this country that are that are not untethered one from of the, the things, law.
1: It was really interesting about this talking about the orthodoxies and talking about the issues that are at work and people who don't want to admit the wrong. Um, you know, I, I listened to what Joe Biden had to say, and it was because he was repeating all this problem of well, this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated, and it's almost as though. Joe Biden is like everybody else who's not paying attention to things. <laughs> yes. And he's oh like goodness. just repeating these things where it's 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 essentially, you know, not understanding that the Omicron variant really. It, I mean, I'm, I'm, I have you gotten your booster yet? Not that it may get too personal. I, not yet, but I, I'm, I, right. I, but so I am I, getting my booster. I got my booster um, and I got my booster for a lot of reasons, um, not the least of which is my wife wanted me to get the booster. My wife's a physician, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera.
2: Well, we're going to go see my parents for. Uh, for uh, for a visit, and I want to get the booster before so, I get up there.
1: So so, but the but you know the but the point is, it's like I know empirically the the at least the anecdotal, and I know that the plural right. of anecdotes is not data. I do know this, right. but I know that the anecdotes are showing that there is very limited protection by the booster, especially because I got the Pfizer booster, the Pfizer booster uh, for for the Omicron variant. Not that it matters, right? Because the Omicron variant right. in and of itself isn't all that bad. But the Go bottom
2: ahead. the bottom line, and I'm sorry to jump the gun Please on that term, in. is do the risk-risk analysis on yes. the vaccine. It seems to me that there's a greater risk, especially for certain populations. There's a greater risk in not getting the vaccine Absolutely true. versus getting the vaccine. Agreed. And that's it. Yes.
1: No, no, I agree there. But see, then, and then as we talk about this, again, talking about being ripped from the headlines, there's this other story that's out there which is insane about the guy um i think it was in california it's in california a uh, guy goes into cardiac arrest the paramedics show up at the house because neither he or his wife had been vaccinated uh, the paramedics refused to go inside. That's insane. It, yes, and it's it's insane on, this a, is on not, a bunch this of is, levels.
2: But this is not a Dustin Hoffman movie of contagion. Uh, yes. I mean, it, this is just silly. Well, it's also not a Dustin Hoffman movie of Marathon Man. And and the
1: idea of, right. of, of sort of singling people out, right, if you if you have gotten it or you haven't gotten it, you get special privileges. Like there was this, what, the situation in which the, the uh, the, want to say Ohio, wherever it was, uh, state legislator wanted to deny
2: health care to folks yes. who have been unvaccinated. Well, the, the the administration, Joe Biden, yeah. uh, wanting to keep Medicare and Medicaid benefits uh, from those who aren't vaccinated. Uh, yeah. and, ju- and just going back to uh, about the, his his uh, speech in Ohio, he thinks he was in Ohio. He doesn't know where he was. <laughs> but um, but here's the fact. The fact of the matter is, if we're going to have uh, mandates, look, vaccine mandates are not unusual. Uh, in terms of public health, they've always been state-based. It's always been on the local level. Yep. States and ha, have engaged in this. So, if the president wants to, if the president of the United States wants to break with the norm, if he wants to break with what we've done in the past, then what we should be doing is having this debate in the Congress. Absolutely, yes. And because part of the reason why the courts are are, are pushing back on the federal executive order mandate is because the president, in an executive order has ordered OSHA which is a sub a, a subdivision of the Department of Labor Absolutely. to issue the order if if again w- what did our parents teach us as kids anything worthwhile doing is worth doing well yes if you want to make the case for for mandates uh, what you do is you go to the health committees and you bring in data and experts and testimony well, and you allow the American people to see an open discussion and debate. And, 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 and I'm not even yeah. sure if Congress passed something, would it still be constitutional? But at least the people would be involved in the discussion. And here's the interesting thing. There, there are a couple of points that you make there. And another theme you're going to
1: hear from me, you're going to hear me quote a case from 1992, a Supreme Court case from 1992 that has guided me in terms of my principles towards public policy, uh, basically since I started getting involved in public policy years ago, which is it's a case called New York versus United States. And writing for the court, Justice O'Connor said, the Constitution protects us from our own best intentions. It divides power among sovereigns and among branches of government precisely so that we might resist the temptation to concentrate power in one branch as the expedient solution to the crisis of the day. In other words, the public policy process is supposed to be deliberative. It's supposed to take time. Because public policy that's made in a crisis is invariably bad policy. Which yeah. is something I've been any, saying. From any us now.
2: law or any policy based upon an extreme circumstance is usually bad policy, yes. bad law, and, and it's very difficult to get rid of. Which yes. is the other, which is the other part
1: of it. It becomes so pernicious, so uh, uh, dug into, into our, our society that it's very difficult to get rid of. And, and so here's the thing that comes back to right, Jerry, because uh, you, you know you get folks who would say on the other side of the aisle, well. We need to do this quickly. It's a crisis, so we need the executive branch to act because Congress can't act that quickly. The problem, of course, is that a there is something called the Administrative Procedure Act, which uh, you know, which you is a is a set of rules that you follow to get these things done. You can hijack that, but you have to have a pretty good reason. But as we now see, that that uh, even. The implementation is so delayed that it really isn't all that an, uh, much of an emergency to get these things done. And that by the time these things do
2: get implemented, Congress should have acted. Right. Go ahead. You just said it. Yeah. My pushback to that argument is very simple. Well, look executive orders, OSHA, Department of Labor and we're still not settled yes and if we had done if we had done it the right way it's the tortoise and the hare yes, right if we had done it the right way, been consistent, maybe we get something done. again, it goes back to what you said earlier yeah. uh, and that is uh, for for too many on the left uh, politics uh, is a substitution for religion yes and they don't want to have this is this is the problem. The left doesn't want to have a conversation. No, they do not want to debate ideas. They want they want the rest of us to accept and just roll over. And, you know, in terms of solutions, and I will say this later, uh, but one of the best ways uh, to make things better is to push back. Yes. Agreed. Is to push back. Agreed wholeheartedly. So,
1: listen, I think that sets it up really well. I think it's time now, Jerry, that we talk to somebody who I mean, you and I know a lot. But I think it's talked to somebody who knows a little bit more. Uh, we're going to be joined in just a moment by Eric Hargan, as we said. We're going to team up there in our Ask the Experts segment. Expert advice. Well, I'm so excited to introduce our inaugural Ask the Expert uh, segment here on Andrew and Jerry
2: Save the World.
1: Jerry, you you no, want to say something. No, of course,
2: well, of course, and again, uh, we're in the midst of of of, of the COVID discussion. Yeah. Uh, again, we're two years into this, uh, and what we've what? talked about uh, in the past, you and I together, is about how this has to be science driven. Yes. Uh, and we also yes. need to uh, uh, have good faith uh, and and uh, and faith in our public health officials. Sure. And our next guest, our guest. Uh, is expert on these topics, and that's exactly it. I mean, we're talking about sort of this approach of common sense
1: and rationality. Our our guest, I'm going to bring him on. His name is Eric Hargan. He was the at one time the acting Secretary of Health and Human Services. Yes. He was the Deputy Secretary for Health and Human Services. And, and Eric, let me ask you this. We're so glad we can have you on the program as we talk about approaches to healthcare and healthcare policy this is a perennial issue it's an issue that doesn't seem to get solved and Jerry and I are getting into that that's why we're doing the podcast but let's start here what differentiates the Biden approach to healthcare policy from the approach to public policy under the Trump administration
0: well you know a lot of things have been carried on i mean we both have worked on vaccination campaigns you know they carried on the plans that we had done, but they have ha- they have encountered and have changed their policies based on a on a number of things like the vaccine mandates. Those were something that they introduced uh, in the middle of the COVID response um, that were very different than what we had anticipated to be done. It, it was actually very different than what uh, even the department, HHS, Had thought that they were going to do so. There are there are changes at least in the public health side that have happened all along. I think there's been, uh, you know, there was inevitable. There were inevitably going to be a group of people that were not going to get vaccinated or that didn't choose to get vaccinated. In this, the question is, what do you do there? Uh, Do you do more of an education campaign and try to persuade people, sort of appeal to the better angels of their nature, provide more education on exactly. Uh, what the interventions are available to people, or do you try to make them do it? Uh, that, that approach of trying to make them do it was not something that we had really anticipated doing.
1: Partially, really-
0: partially because either the vaccine works in it or it doesn't. If yes. the vaccine works, the unvaccinated, the, the unvaccinated don't pose a threat to the vaccinated. So if you want to get safe from the disease, get vaccinated. And then you're kind of out of the discussion because you're not under threat of death from the disease. Uh if you're vac- if you're unvaccinated and you're worried about the other unvaccinated then get vaccinated. And again, you remove yourself from the threat and that's if the vaccine works. If the vaccine doesn't work then there's no need for a mandate. Uh, in either case there wasn't and these are this is sort of being simplistic about yeah. it but that's kind of how the decision tree breaks down. But
1: Eric down. is is covid is COVID sort of taken over and consumed all of healthcare policy. I know that the administration's uh, uh, HHS regulatory agenda was just released. I know you're you've been looking at that very uh, clearly and in depth. I mean, there are other things other than COVID that are going on in healthcare or are there is, is as I said is COVID all consuming?
0: Well, I think that it has I think obviously they they came into office in the middle of this, in the middle of of COVID, in the middle of the vaccination campaign, a number of other things that they had to deal with as a new group, as a new crew on the fly. And so that has obviously had to be, that has had to be a consuming element, um, as well as the the border situation. But also, they've got a policy drive on equity, that is definitely the note that they sound in health policy, uh, that now we had not shied away from issues of health disparities and trying to address the health conditions of all Americans. That was not something that we shied away from at all uh, in our administration, but um, they've got definitely a new keynote on it. I think it's going to remain to be seen how they work out the details on this to make sure that they make sure that anything that they do remains legal and constitutional, frankly, um, in in how they approach the issues of equity and how they try to prevent non-discrimination do you do you prevent non-discrimination or are you enabling discrimination these are questions that are very they're very deep uh in in the law and so it's going to be something that's going to be carefully watched by those who you know as we sort of continue to monitor how they implement uh, kind of the keystone drives of what they're doing
2: eric it's jerry um just to remind our our listeners uh eric hargan our guest former acting uh, secretary of HHS, uh, deputy secretary of HHS, and also founder of the Hargan Group. Yes, very important. Uh, We're talking health policy, science. Let me ask you this, and it's something that uh, uh, I know that you've written about. You had a real good piece in The Hill, uh, science and technology are working to save us, but our public health system is failing. Uh, Can you talk to us about the crisis in the reputation of public health officials
0: and agencies? Well, I mean, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a crisis and it's an avoidable crisis. It's the issue that we, we have seen, all of us have seen, public health officials pronouncing on pretty much the exact same circumstances in different ways. In some cases, they condemn uh, people getting together, whether it's for rallies, parties, protests, what have you. Um, and they'll say, these are terrible. And then they either remain silent about another group doing exactly the same thing or they applaud them. Now, everyone can see this. It's, it's open and obvious. And, and no one is fooled about what's going on here, which is that the political preferences of the, of the scientists are leading them to, to essentially abandon science, to abandon the principles that they should be following. Uh, to sort of chase after uh, political goals and applause on that front. And it has really been quite terrible for the reputation of scientists and science, and particularly in the public health area. And I think that it is, it's something that we're gonna have to be doing repair work on all the time be, uh, in the future, because we can have as, our science and technology work magnificently in this, in this crisis. Uh, our, our private sector companies responded very well, our government was able to reform itself to be able to advocate and let this happen, right, and to, and to push for it, um, and we were able to do this together, but it doesn't matter how many great new scientific uh, things we have, how many technologies we develop, how many new medical products we invent and bring to market. If no one uses them because they don't trust the people who are right. talking to them about their health care, because we can have all the nice new bangles and baubles in science and technology. But if no one will use them because they don't trust them, because they don't trust the people telling them to use them, it's going to be a disaster.
1: Let me ask you this, Eric. And and so thank you once again for joining us on our inaugural Andrew and Jerry Save the World podcast. So, you know, you were rocketing ahead. The, the administration was rocking rocketing ahead on all manner of public policies um, before COVID struck. Is there anything that you wish that you guys had gotten done over at HHS policy wise that you didn't get done because COVID took over everything? Uh, anything you left on the table that, that that needs to be picked up down the road?
0: Well, you know, we had done a lot of work on reforming. A lot of our work was in kind of the underbrush, right? We were clearing the way for a lot of new things that were coming forward as we were doing it. Um, There were, uh, we got a lot of things done. In fact, almost everything that we meant to get done in 2020, we got done. Everything from price transparency, interoperability, Reforms to the Stark and Kickback Rules, National Quality Roadmap. We probably left some of those things like reforms to the quality system, okay. uh, that health quality system. That's a really thorny issue that took that would take more than four years to get done. Uh, we left that on the table. There were probably issues in our social services, our welfare program that could have been usefully reformed. Uh, if we'd had more time to do that. Uh, there's been there's been a lot of changes in that landscape, and I think our programs are probably out of kilter at this point. There's a lot of refinement that we would have done if we had stayed in, in office, and I think we probably could have taken some of the lessons that we got from Warp Speed in the pandemic and really brought those forward uh, and, and been able to accelerate some of the things we did on public-private partnership, on work that we were doing on innovation that, that I think could have borne real fruit uh, for the public uh, in a, if we had had a second term.
2: Uh, Eric, it's uh, Jerry Rogers again. And again, I, I, I don't want to overuse this word, uh, but I know that you you started some very important work on uh, the opioid crisis, on the overdose crisis. Uh, can you speak a little bit about COVID's impact on on the work that needs to be done to address the opioid crisis?
0: Oh, I mean, It was a disaster for uh, people suffering from substance use disorder, opioids, alcohol, everything. But really, the point was put on it because the 100,000 overdose deaths that happened. And I mean, this is this it was a crisis we managed for one year only to turn down uh, the overdose deaths Uh, for one year only. They started turning back up and then the pandemic Mm. put it on absolute stilts of disaster, really. And so it's a, it's a, it's a peculiar problem. The United States really suffers from it just about more than anybody in the world. Um, And there's a confluence of events, developments that happened that I think in my opinion led to this problem. We would have had to work our way back out of this because, you know, at at the beginning of it, you know, I turned to one of our, our uh, scientists there. And I said, you know, is this, is this, Covid thing actually going to help out somewhat. Will the dealers not be? Not, will they be worried about Covid? Uh, and they're you know they'd be worried, and maybe we'll be able to break some of those interactions between the dealers and the and the people who are who are taking the drugs. And she said they're so resourceful. She said they're just they're very resourceful. This won't put a stop to it. And in the meantime, in many ways, because of the because the lockdowns, the lack of information, the lack of of sort of human interaction and, and monitoring and people not going to their doctors and not going to their clinics. There was a lot, there was a lot of lack of information about what was going on in the middle of the pandemic. And now we see at the end of it, how bad things went. So we're going to have to retrack on that opioid crisis again. Uh, And I hope That they take it very seriously. You know, we came into office, this was just on an absolute uh, slope, upward slope um, as we came into office. We did achieve some very slight and temporary um, victories over it for the first time in 26 years. It started heading back up. I'm more or less, I, I believe. Uh, that we would have been able to bring those things back down again with the interventions that we were working on. But it's something they're going to have to take on this, along with the mental health issues that are arising. uh, not, Not that they weren't there already. They were. But they're also going to be worse as we move forward out of the pandemic and all the effects of the policies that were put in place around the pandemic. Not you know all the public health interventions from lockdowns to everything else produce effects on people, particularly those who are already fragile mentally, and uh, they're going to have to address that as well. I I suspect that, and then all of the follow-on things coming after with people not going to their hospitals, not paying attention to their own health care for for now now it could be years uh, with people not getting those cancer screens, not getting immunizations for the kids, not getting. Uh, their heart checked up, all the things that they need to do that yeah. they didn't do and haven't done. Uh, and this is going to have to be, um, we're going to have to kind of re-knit ourselves uh, from a medical point of view as we move forward.
1: But re-knit
0: as in K-N-I-T,
1: re-knit <laughs> ourselves. K-N-I-T, yeah, Got it. Exactly. I just want to make sure. Hey, hey,
2: Eric, a quick follow-up to this, and that is, uh, look, Andrew and I have always talked about the future of medical progress. Yes. Uh, so what are some new technologies uh, coming down the pike, so to speak, uh, that that can help deal with uh, the uh, various medical issues and uh, opioid issues, substance abuse issues. And,
1: and I'm sorry, Eric, before you answer that, let me add to this question, because this will, I think, will be our final question of the day. If there was one thing you could do today to fix healthcare and save healthcare in America, <laughs> what would that be? But talk about technology and talk about that.
0: Well, OK, so first thing I'm going to say is the sort of right near the beginning of March, we did the big bang of telehealth reform and that's where we got three agencies that all had they all had to be part of it because they all had part of the telehealth uh spectrum and they and it led to an enormous explosion from just a few thousand beneficiaries using telehealth the beginning first week of march to hundreds of thousands the first week of april it was a huge explosion oh yeah and and that i think has enabled a lot of access that's done a lot of good for the mental health and in fact the drug use side of things people are able to to kind of kind of interact with their care provider without having to kind of go to the clinic and worry about who's seen them there or interacting with them it's actually i think it's it's got a huge future in front of it and that's there's going to be a there's going to be a decision point that's going to have to be made because all that we did in many ways on the telehealth side was enabled because of the existence of the emergency. If we don't have statutory changes, those will go away when the emergency is over, is declared over. And so it means all the people that are using them outside of a, a small group of people using them in a rural context, they're all going to lose access uh, and uh, to that to those telehealth platforms that I think have been very, very useful. I think we've even seen in some places improvement in people attending things like mental health, uh, their mental health sessions and so on. Those have improved, I think, because of the advent of telehealth. And I think, so that's going to be a big point that I think is going to have to be addressed by Congress is what we do about telehealth and making sure that we continue to have access to it. I think that's been one of the biggest kind of like a a sea changes in American healthcare, is this more hybrid type care between telehealth and in-person care? And there's a lot of ramifications to it. Um, honestly, there are lots of doctors and 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 hospitals that are worried that a lot of their patient population is going to go into a like a you know telehealth, home health, and away from where care is being provided right now. They're worried on a number of reasons, but I think there's not a reason to worry overall. I think that uh, it's huge great benefit. And I think hopefully, as I say, what we're doing now looks crude in the future with what I'll, we're doing in telehealth.
1: I'll tell you, Eric, my wife is a physician and she loves telehealth. She loves, you know, uh, uh, telemedicine and being able to see her patients remotely. Um, it just, it works well. But also
2: the F the FDA is now um, uh, uh, giving authorization to telehealth uh, technologies, uh, telehealth uh, technologies, even as prescriptions. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so but then, so
1: before we let you go, so so if you can ma- wave your magic wand, I mean, what what's the one thing that you would you would say could help save med- uh, help save healthcare? And America? we're
2: going to hold you to this. Oh, well, no, we
1: don't to
0: <laughs> One thing that could save health care is that I would say people sit down, seriously figure out what we did right and wrong in this pandemic now this i'm going to be a little bit high high sort of high uh, high altitude here please no absolutely Um, is that i think that the things that we learned about where the cracks were in the community when it was put under stress whether it was the public health experts um not staying in on point on principle and kind of getting out of their lane that we could learn a lesson about who does what best. Government do what you do best, private sector do what you do best. Like the lesson of Operation Warp Speed was people were doing what they did best. And that allowed a huge amount of achievement in a very quick period of time. And I think that many of the things that went wrong, and I would say that's those are those public health interventions that people are just disregarding because they don't think that there's integrity in the process anymore is again, case where people didn't, people didn't stay where they should have been. They didn't stay in their lanes. They didn't know which role they were supposed to be, provide. Were they a political leader? Were they a scientific advisor? Were they a technical scientist? Were they a public health expert? Were they an official? Everybody like where those, where those get confused, people tend to lose faith in the process. Yeah. Um. And, and there's less achievement. So that that's a pretty, I would say a pretty high altitude, you know, 50,000 foot idea. Uh, but I think when people worked best is when they understood clearly what they were going to do and that they did did what they did best and knew what role they were doing best. When the government didn't try to produce products, when it got out of that business, that's when everything went well. When it stuck to where it, what it should be doing on warp speed and brought in the private sector, everything went very well. And when on the other hand, people's roles began to bleed into each other's. I think that's where we're seeing the problems now uh, with uh, kind of people kind of, I'm who am I listening to? Who's in charge here? Um, today, tomorrow, the next day, rules change and, you know, things come open, things go closed, wear a mask, don't wear a mask, all those kind of things. <laughs> yes. they, shouldn't, they shouldn't happen. And it's a big problem.
2: There, there you go. Hey, uh, Eric, thank you so much for joining us. We've we been talking to Eric Hargan. Uh, listen. Before we let you go, uh, we know of your work uh, at the uh, HHS. Uh, can you tell us just real quick about the Hargan Group?
0: Yeah, please. Oh, sure. Um, yeah, no. I've uh, formed a group. Some of uh, people from. Uh, who work with me at HHS have joined me. Uh, so has so has my uh, lovely wife, and we are doing strategic consulting <laughs> in the healthcare area. <laughs> We're doing strategic consulting in the healthcare area for a, a wide variety of uh, companies. Everybody from health IT to hospital systems to uh, product companies like pharmaceutical and device companies. So uh, it's been a it's been a great time. I joined a few boards, but the Harden Group is kind of uh, my day job now. And uh, and doing consulting, not uh, going back to being an old uh, healthcare lawyer the way I was before.
1: Sure. Well, good good luck and, and Godspeed with that, Eric. Uh, yeah. Your lovely wife may be joining us on a future on a episode. Future. Uh, she wants to sit in with me and Jerry. But uh, you
0: you take care. All the best. Thanks, Thank, Eric. You. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Good talking with you.
1: Man, wasn't that good? I mean, this is why this is why we need to talk to people who are smarter than you and I are,
2: Jerry. No, absolutely. And and, <laughs> and, and I think that uh, Eric's work uh, at HHS uh, really. Uh, is laid the groundwork. Uh, for uh, future reform and medical progress.
1: No without a doubt, without a doubt and and it's it was good to sort of get that perspective and to ask him a little bit more about the work that he's done and that they're doing on telemedicine and to talk about the issues, right It was you know as we had our our, our rip from the headlines segment and we were talking about the opioid crisis to hear from a seasoned policy professional about how that is impacting us uh, is is so vitally important. So with that, you know, now that we've set it up, we talked about the issue, Jerry. Uh, now that we've talked to an expert on the issue, uh, I think it's time to talk about how we might save the world. And with that in mind, uh, here is the bottom line. That was a good speech. Bottom line, yeah, you're a bottom line man. All right, here's the bottom line. Okay.
0: The bottom line.
1: So, Jerry, you you have been involved in these issues for many many years. I've been actually, you know, something I didn't say this before. Before we get to this, I was not someone who was a healthcare care person. Um, it was not an issue. I was a regulatory guy. did a lot with constitutional issues. And it wasn't until I was sitting in the car with my wife one day. We're driving up the New Jersey Turnpike. Yeah. I'm driving up to New York to see my folks. Uh, my wife is reading the Journal of the American Medical Association and talking about the gap between the number of patients that we have in America and the number of physicians and how that number of physicians are declining. And to look at this from essentially what is a not that we want to commodify everything, but to look at it from a supply and demand perspective, from a commodities perspective, was very helpful to me, um, because you cannot solve the healthcare problem unless you actually have healthcare in
2: America, uh, and and so we have to find ways to do this. Go ahead. No, and I think uh, when it comes to healthcare policy, and this again, this might sound that uh, this might sound too simplistic. But part of the part of the solution or part of the bottom line here is we have to first stop doing the wrong thing. Absolutely true. Yes. And and, and give an example. So you're right. There is a doctor shortage in America. There has been for some time. And so what happens during covid? Uh, we be, we begin uh to push out yes. of medical practices doctors and 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 nurses and medical professionals uh because they don't fit in with whatever mandates sure. or whatever protocols and again what we're again the the uh the Waukesha yes. incident yep uh, uh you know where this person ran into uh Wait,
1: it was a person I thought it was a car. <laughs>
2: bump <Ba-dum-bum. laughs> um <laughs> this the, 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 the you know this 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 T- tragedy, this this horrific Sorry, event. I shouldn't be laughing. No, no, but yeah. you're right though. Yeah. No, because the left the the left wouldn't wouldn't yes. name the yeah. na- name name them the killer. Couple, couple I mean planes. the fact of the matter yes. is look, yeah. since I mentioned it, the killer uh, is someone uh, who has a, a dark philosophy, it yeah. uh, 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 looks like he's a black nationalist, yes. and went out and ran over uh, uh, and murdered white people and murdered six people, including yeah. a little a, a little a little boy. But here but here's the point of this, and and vis-a-vis healthcare, please. Uh, when they took victims to the hospital, uh, the hospital could not treat the victims yes because the hospital had cleared out. Yeah. Emergency workers and and nurses and and healthcare professionals because they uh, they they did not meet the criteria of the of the, of the mandates. Oh, the yeah, vaccine absolutely mandates. right. And, and this is you, sorry, so again. Yeah. So you're creating more
1: shortages. Th- that's, that's exactly it, right. and, and exacerbating the problems. Right. And so you know it is a situation in which things are. It's funny because I was going to go in a, in a in a slightly different direction in terms of things that we haven't talked about, but things that are bad ideas. How, are you familiar? Real quick. Are you familiar with this idea that there is a so there is a trade. Association that lobbies for physicians' assistants. So you have you know three levels of, of sure. caregivers. You have doctors, you have nurses, and you have physicians' assistants. They all have different levels of schooling and different things that they're allowed to do based upon that and based upon licensing. So apparently the the, the trade association representing the physicians' assistants took a vote and they want to reclassify themselves as assistant physicians, which I think is just it, it is it is such a horrible idea. It's like a, it's a bad way of, of, of sure. doing things. I mean, listen, we
2: need more PAS, we need more physicians assistants. I'm the We're assist, calling them associate I'm associate physician. I'm the assistant to the assistant manager. Yeah, that's
1: exactly that's exactly it. I know.
2: I'm the you know, assistant manager. No, you're PA's. the assistant to the assistant manager.
1: Yes, yes, and, and so. It is
2: there's it, the state of our health care right there but right, where we're arguing over titles and we're not arguing over what policies are putting patients first. And,
1: and listen, and I do think that P.A.s should get more responsibilities and P.A.s should probably be paid more and all of these things because they do important work. But this is a, a, a bad place to go. But, you know, getting into this. So we had this conversation. I so thoroughly enjoyed the conversation with Eric Hargan. Yep. Right. If we're talking about this issue, like if I were if I could wave my wa- magic wand. Maybe we should call it the magic wand. No, I don't want to call it the magic wand segment. But if I were to wave my magic wand, one of the things that I would be talking about is finding ways to get physicians to be able to practice medicine remotely, which is a whole telemedicine tele- issue.
2: And and we are we are on the verge of a telehealth um, revolution. Yeah. The only thing that will stop it would be would be government
1: yes yes and 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 this is what this is what eric hargan was talking about here it's you know this idea of sort of we get into the post-pandemic world and we don't saw we don't continue with these things and it has to be done congress has to step in and do something about this they because it's interesting right as we talk about this um, part of the problem is that medical licensing is done at the state level. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a very good thing. But because medical licenses are granted at the state level, it makes it difficult for a doctor to uh, – impossible for a doctor to practice medicine across state lines. So if you're in Alaska right. or Montana or Idaho and you need to be treated and there are but not, not w- enough – What's called? Uh,
2: admitting privileges? Yes. that's a We lord, should allow for – for admitting privileges well, it's, to it's be to be more reciprocal. broadly reciprocal Recipital and more broadly regional, applicable. right they can yes. be regional yes but,
1: and, and that's and that's the thing but it's not really it's admitting privileges is being able to go and practice at a hospital but the idea of sort of having reciprocity yes like we've been talking about in terms of firearms right if you get a firearms license in pennsylvania you should be able to have sure. re- reciprocity to virginia um and so uh, not that not that it's the same thing, obviously. A medical license well, no, is no. But, but the
2: point is, is that we should be looking up, looking for ways for the government to allow doctors to better serve patients uh, in 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 greater ways, and 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 in ways that are different. than we've And this done in the is past. why
1: you need congressional. Uh, in, in, I'm not going to say interference, but congressional involvement, which because goes it back, is interstate, which goes yes. back
2: to the bottom line, right? You want yes. you want you want to make a big difference. You, you want to see solutions. Congress needs to go back to regular order. Yes. If Congress goes back to regular order, we can have these debates. We can have testimony. We can have legislation, and we can have reform.
1: Sure. And 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 this is the thing that gets me about this. Right? Is that there? This this should and could be bipartisan. Except should everything be. everything becomes politicized and everything becomes a matter of faith. So if you're always looking at the medical issue as one of insurance and not of supply. It's it's a it's a it's a problem, you know,
2: or worse the- than that, if you see the medical issue as a way to uh, uh, to to gain power. Yes. I mean, many, many. I'm sorry to say this, but it's the truth. Uh, many of those on the left, uh, they want to leverage Medicare, uh, Medicaid, health care, health policy because they want to be involved yeah. in your decisions, your health decisions. I mean, again, the president of the United States threatening medicaid payments and medicare payments based upon whether or not you are vaccinated yes that is insane well and it and it sort of gets around right the two these two different approaches to how you get people to do things
1: and i i don't like the idea i certainly don't like the idea of mandates i'm I guess go
2: ahead i just i just looked at andrew when in our history has apartheid ever worked that's right when has marginalizing ever worked when has discrimination ever worked well, I, when has objectifying work
1: Right. This is this is this gets into a perennial theme in terms of politics. And, you know, we could listen. We should do an episode called Andrew and Jerry Save Politics because that's I mean, that could be a whole that could be a whole running running. We could do it multiple times. Um, but but, you know, this issue of one side making the other side feel stupid as a way of trying to get them to do things. It does not work. And it's funny because Cass Sunstein, who was the head of the Office of Information, he was the regulatory
2: czar. Does it not work? Oh no, I'm sorry. You're right. It doesn't work with the people. Yes, but it does work with Republicans. Yeah, yes, yes <laughs> that's,
1: that's, 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 that's true.
2: But the but the point is, Cass Sunstein wrote a
1: book called uh, "Nudging" <laughs> "Nudge," right? In which he's trying to find a some kind of compromise between the mandate. And the uh, and the uh, the light touch, you know, yeah, sort of the, the sure. encouragement. But, you know, it's every time I've talked to an expert on this, it's all been about the issues of we need to encourage people and have conversations with people. Listen, because you and I didn't talk about it at the beginning of the show. Um, we we have we did talk about it with Eric. And I do want to get your thoughts on this. And I have some thoughts, obviously, uh, because the 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 uh, government's regulatory agenda, for those of you who don't understand. The regulatory agenda is the wish list that a government agency has for the regulatory actions. And actually, let me take an even a a further step here. Um, Pull it back to the stratospheric, the 50,000 foot level. Um, Congress passes laws, but those laws don't really hit the public until the agencies pass regulations. And it's where what i like to say is it's where the rubber hits the road. Um, and so the agencies they put out these regulatory wish lists, uh, and that's their regulatory agenda. And this is important stuff because it really does set policy. So we didn't talk about it at the beginning, but as we talk about focusing on the rational solutions and government not doing more of the bad things, I know I know you're disturbed by the this focus on equity. I'm disturbed on it in the same uh, disturbed about it in the same way, but want to get your thoughts first. Well
2: again let me take one step backward to take two steps forward we know this we know that the cdc uh that the fda uh that the nih uh that our health bureaucracy was caught flat-footed yes with the uh, covid pandemic the president at the time trump uh received lots of unfair criticism uh the president in January, in I'm sorry, in November of December of of uh, before before the first case hit the U.S., was making requests to China yeah. to put people on the ground. He was uh, he mentioned it in the uh, uh, COVID in the State of the Union oh, that, yeah. po- that Nancy Pelosi tore up. Uh, in January, he formed the task force. He declared a national uh, health emergency. But here's here's my point: when he when the president of the United States declared the health emergency. Uh, the, uh, it, that actually mucked things up because yeah. instead of streamlining, it, 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 it triggered all of these uh, bureaucratic rules and yeah. such. Part of the problem was that all of these agencies, the CDC in particular... Uh, they were focused on social justice. Oh yeah. They were focused on equity politics, and so when a real virus, a yes. pandemic, presented itself, uh, the the uh, the medical elites in this country were concerning themselves uh, with with other issues. Yes. And this is the problem because the HHS just put out their wish list. Absolutely. And in their wish list is. I mean, my goodness, uh, uh, Bill De Blasio could have written this, or sure. Brandon Scott, or some other kind of liberal mayor. Uh, it's all equity politics and social uh, justice, fair, and Brandon all the rest Scott, of it.
1: Brandon Scott couldn't have written this because Brandon Scott doesn't know any better. But you know, <laughs> right. uh, well, let's, let's say, let's
2: say, let's say a, let's say a leftist mayor you get who my actually point. who actually knows something about something. My, about my something. point is is, 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 you have the the most important. Uh, medical uh, uh, medical agency in the country, maybe in the world, yeah. and its focus, uh, in the midst of a pandemic, they want to focus on equity.
1: And now, and yes, and so, and that's just it. Now they're using the pandemic as a way of trying to advance all of these things, and right. it gets down to this issue of doing more. You, you know, it's funny. There was, it's actually, actually not funny, it's tragic. I, I, I tend to compare this. Um, during the height of the Stalinist era in, in Soviet Russia, there was an agricultural, uh, an agricultural.
2: <laughs> someone scientist. say, someone say that America is in the height of the, its own Stalinist but era this is right is my now. My
1: point, Jerry. Yeah. This is what <laughs> I'm getting to. Right. <laughs> but, you yes. know, we learn from history. There was a gentleman named Trofim Lysenko, and he was in charge of Soviet agriculture, and he decided to try to make Soviet agricultural science. Uh, apply to or or get get a uh, uh, Marxist-Leninist philosophy applied to Soviet science, as though the science could adapt, as though reality could adapt to right. his socialist philosophy, to his Wh- to his religion, to his religion, and that's what we are seeing now. And, and listen, you know, you and I have had this. We've talked about this. We know that the. Uh, the racial justice equity politics of today are really just a repackaging of Marxism and to be really it clear, certainly Jerry is. and I Jerry Critical and I race theory, that, yes. we don't throw that term around uh, willy-nilly no. right it is it is founded in this it's just a repackaging when you're when you're trying to essentially redistribute income and redistribute wealth uh, and and take from one set of people and give to another set of people the, the difference of course now is that what we they're really trying to do is take from working people, Right. And we're talking right. I'm not talking about the elites because the elites can find ways to hide their assets and hide sure. their income. Uh, they're taking from working people to give to, to others. So. So, Jerry, for me on this issue, uh, the, the way you solve healthcare care in America is by increasing supply, increasing access, applying these market based principles, getting government out of the way and in fact not allowing government to muck things up more.
2: No, and again, I mean, you are correct. Uh, but let me let me uh, let me take that general correct please. solution and, and 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 apply it. Please. So uh, please do uh, uh, Medicare. There is a there is a there is a concern that drug prices in Medicare are very high. That drug prices period are very high. Now, yes, some 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 drug prices are more expensive than others and 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 access is an issue but i tell you i tell you what what's in place right now is something called the non-interference clause yes the non-interference clause uh, uh Wait, disallows wasn't,
1: wasn't that the prime directive in star trek
2: <laughs> the non-interference clause prohibits the government from setting drug prices uh, in medicare yes why is that important because medicare is is I'm going to throw a number out there, but it's approximately 50 percent of the market. Yes. So if you set prices for 50 percent of the market, what does it do to the other 50 percent? It it actually yeah. it, it 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 controls prices. Of course it does uh, across the board. Yes. Uh, and and uh, Medicare, unlike other government programs, the Medicare program, the Drug Part D program, is working. Seniors love it. Yeah. But the problem is, is that uh, the 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 Democrats, the progressives, want to uh, want want to leverage health care uh, again for power. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, so what they want to do is strike non-interference. Yeah. So one way to apply what you just said for the government to get out of the way would be to defeat the Build Back Better Act has for no other reason. There's lots of reasons. Yes. But for no other reason that. Build Back Better will strike the non-interference yes. clause and allow the government to come in and set government prices. And again, I'll ask our audience, left and right, when has the government ever come in, set prices, and we've had good outcomes?
1: Absol- absolutely true. In, in fact, you know, as we, we sort of look at this and you look at the history we've been dealing with gas prices, all you need do is look at wage and price controls in the early 1970s. Yeah. Done under
2: Republican President Richard Nixon uh, to see where, where things are. Uh, Jerry, I, I do think that's yeah. I'll just add one more thing to, to to what you said, and that is we need we need we we need price transparency and in, in, in healthcare without a doubt. we need we need to know what things cost. Yes. I, I think if you allow if if you allow consumers, patients to know what things cost and we allow for more competition, uh, I think we'll see prices but, come and, down,
1: but that's just it. I think it's it's price transparency, but also the increase in supply, right? Yes, because of you, course, you, yeah, you can, right. So you know you can shop around for basic primary. care. Well, you can't shop around care.
2: if there yes. if, if there's only one if there's only one only one exactly doctor right. in town. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yes, that, that, yes,
1: it, and this is exactly it, right? If you have somebody who can set up a business, yeah. right? We 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 didn't even get into certificates of need, which is a whole another thing that has to go. Um, but you know if yes, somebody could set up go. a business in rural America where people can go in and be seen by a doctor who's
2: working remotely it changes you just you said know. something in passing that Please. is is so important i want to i want to stop on it Certific- certificate of need yes so in, in in myriad states you need a certificate of need Virginia for one to yeah. open up a um, to open up a health facility yes during covid no no time out for a second and what that means is if you had a
1: new uh service a medical service that you wanted to provide a new doctor's office right a new kind of care a new technology you wanted to introduce you would have to go and apply and show that there was that this that this uh service or technology was needed in your community in the community you wanted to put it in and the folks who would vote on it are all of the other <laughs> medical providers right. who as you can imagine would not want to see their prices it's a barrier to come, entry yes, right exactly but here's
2: right. the thing yes. during covid in many states, the certificate. Need laws were were put on hold. Yes, yes, yes. And so, if it again, if if it worked during COVID, then why don't we keep it? So, so again, the uh, what we we know the. I'm getting so excited here. I know we know the answers to the test. Yes, we have the answers to the test. Uh, What we need to do is uh, we need to free up. Yes, Uh, we need to lift. Uh, regulations and burdens. Again, why did Operation Warp Speed work? Because the FDA got out of the way. That's exactly uh, right. Why did certificate of need uh, uh, issues work uh, during COVID? Because because these laws, these uh, these burdens were were set aside. That's exactly it.
1: That's the answer. Yes, it, That's it, the without answer. Without a doubt. So uh, Jerry, uh, as we wind things Ooh, down, i got excited you, there. At you, the yeah, end. you should. I mean, I listen, tell you. so we're going to be doing more of these. A real intellectual climax yeah, at the exactly, end there. Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you like so, that? Yes, I do. You said uh, yeah, you were waving things. I had to say something. Yeah, so, so we uh, we're going to be doing.
1: Obviously, this is this is the the, the first episode. <laughs> we're going to be taking on more topics. We would love to have suggestions to all yes. of you. For topics you want us to address, Jerry. How do folks find you? How do they find out what you're up to?
2: Well, look. I'm the editor at Real Clear uh, uh, Health, uh, and uh, and you know, folks can uh, email me yes. uh, at at jrogers at realclearpolicy There you go. That works, and they can also follow you on Twitter. Oh, of course. Thank you. Very and much.
1: Facebook. The There's show. the
2: uh, the Jerry Rogers uh, uh, Jerry Rogers uh, show on Twitter. Uh, also. Uh, I run a little lemonade, one-man lemonade stand called Capital yes. Allies. You can go to capallies.com and find found out more there. And so
1: you can find me at Andrew underscore Langer on Twitter. Uh, Facebook.com slash Andrew Langer Show is the best <laughs> way to reach me there. Um, but, yeah, so I'm going to be doing some fill-in work. Jerry is on the air all the time now. Um, but uh, but and that's all good. But listen, thank you all so very much for joining us today. I'm Andrew Langer.
2: I'm Jerry Rogers,
1: and this has been Andrew and Jerry save the world.